Check one, check two. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Beautiful. How's it sound? Sound okay? I'm using my headset. That's fine. Yeah. Cool. Can you hear the air conditioner in the background? Uh, no, you're good. Just your voice coming through. Cool. Well, good to finally have you on, man. Hell yeah. It's going to be good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Great. Dave Martell is finally on my humble podcast. <laughs> Come on. I'm not that cool. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, man. No, but... Uh, I, uh... Yeah, I'm kidding. You're right. You're not that cool. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, I'm making this out of two sticks and a tin can. Let's, let's make this work. <laughs> oh, man. Uh... All right, so I'm going to just lay a little groundwork um, for those people that are listening that don't know who Dave Martell is. He is a well-known heathen scholar and leader. Um, and by heathen, I mean Germanic pagan, uh, Germanic polytheist, however you would like to chop it up. Um, he has become almost a living example of how a polytheist should act and behave and things like that. Um, and so, Dave, if you want, uh, give maybe a slight background of, you know, who you are, where you're from, and what drew you to uh, polytheism. Well, I am, uh, as Mr. Frank said, I'm Dave Martell. I'm the promotions coordinator for the Neurona Society. I'm also the host for The Bog, which is on every single Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern on DLive.tv slash Dave Martell with my co-host uh, Tristan Powers from the Aria Kasha Institute. Um, I've been in this for, I uh, guess I converted about 10 years ago and, um, I've told my origin story many, many times. So uh, I'm not going to bore everybody with that, but, um, essentially I got into this because I was raised kind of half-ass Catholic and, um, you know, my, my family only really went to church for funerals and weddings. Like it was not a meaningful religious experience and I never felt anything from it. So uh, I went through my phase of being an edgy atheist, and I started feeling some kind of way when I got a little bit older uh, as a young man. And then I found out that people actually practiced the ancient religion of the myths that I loved reading my entire life that I was obsessed with. So I, I just dove right in, and I have since then developed a very meaningful relationship and our gods and um, have been a member of this community. I am this Yule will be eight years that I've been alderman of the Penfolk kindred. And um, that's just been a one. It's just been a wonderful, beautiful experience. And as far as content goes, I used to be, I used to do a lot of political content, uh, you know, satirical shock jock kind of stuff. And um, I just got tired of it. I came back to faith and it's, it's been a wonderful, beautiful journey. But as far as uh, you know, scholarly stuff and, and those kinds of things, I'm not necessarily a scholar, but I work with scholars. I, uh, as I, like I said before, I'm the promotions coordinator for the Neurona Society, which is a private research institute dedicated to the research of Germanic polytheism and Indo-European traditions and spiritual practice. And um, that is just a wonderful experience. I get to rub shoulders with some of the smartest people in the world. No joke. Some of the some of the best researchers, some of the biggest brains that you could possibly. It's like it's like heathen Mensa. It's heathen Mensa. It literally is. And I get to learn from these guys. And um, I always felt that I had a pretty good working knowledge of the philosophy and the history and stuff like that. But being around this guy, these guys is absolutely incredible. Incredible I experience. A, I think that's a beautiful thing, man. And I think, like I've said, you, you've kind of shown yourself to be kind of the living example of what of what a polytheist needs to be. Um, and it's interesting how we kind of had, you know, almost semi-similar origin stories. I, I was raised Catholic myself, um, enough to where I can still have a working knowledge of the Bible, even though I haven't been in church in a couple of years. Um, I went to the edgy atheist phase, and then, strangely enough, I went, uh, I did go Germanic polytheism for, for a brief time, uh, for a couple of years. And then I had kind of a similar thing as you did, where I had realized that the myths that I had loved my whole life, ancient Greece, ancient Rome there were people who actually, you know, believed in that faith and fully believed in those gods. And so that became something that drew me in. And, you know, I tell people that it felt like coming home, you know, in a sense. And I think on some level, that's how a faith needs to make you feel like you, like you've come home and things like that. 
And yeah, absolutely. And I think the, you know, especially given the the sort of shakiness, if you will, of modern faith of you know regard the Abrahamics of any kind, it's good to kind of revive the ancestral faith, the ancestral aspects of of what we once had. You know, we being the European peoples, or even people from other uh, from other areas uh, of the world, reviving their own ancestral faith. You know, for example, some Africans will revive the Yoruba faith and things of that sort. And I think that's something that you know, we need to let, let a thousand nations bloom with regards to our ancestral faith. And I think that's something that uh, we'll see more of as time goes by. Oh, yeah. It's uh, statistically proven that we are, people that identify as pagan are the fastest growing religious group in the West. In the West. We are outpacing uh, Islam in the West. People that identify that's, as pagan. Now, that's, that's, great a, to hear. <laughs> that's a big umbrella. You know, that's a big oh, yeah. umbrella. And in that, you have some new agey, goofy stuff. However, the largest contingency within uh, under the umbrella as uh, and I'm sure you know this as a, a guy that follows Hellenismos, Volkish also true is like there's we're everywhere. You know, yeah. I mean we, we are the we are the kind of big flagship that's kind of um, I'm very proud to say um, paving the way, uh, kind of trailblazing for all of our other polytheist brothers and sisters of other traditions to kind of uh, make their way in modernity how to do it like you know, some some folks like there's a little bit of jealousy from the Germanic side of things about how many uh, brilliant Greek philosophers there were. We don't have any philosophers on record like that. We don't have an Anaximander or a Plato or an Aristotle or so on and so forth. We don't have those guys really. We have a lot of all badass warriors and kings and stuff like that. But as far as philosophy, it's not really there. So now it's our turn to, uh, as Germanic uh, polytheists to give our our shot in the realm of, of philosophy of of structure and organization and and thought and and so on and so forth and um, it's just it's a, it's a really cool time to be alive you know, it's a really cool time to see all this blossom and as you said for everybody to come home and um, that's that's exactly how I would describe sometimes I feel a little guilty saying the word convert like I, I converted I like to believe that I reverted same, and I, I don't, I don't see a convert because this wasn't, you know, the whole the, the the cross of changes type deal where you know we were, you know, made to accept a, a faith that wasn't ours. In reality, it was more of we. It's it's like you ever, I don't know if you ever clean, like anybody's ever cleaned their house, and then you find something that you thought you'd lost for years, and then you found out it was like there all along. Yeah. That's that's kind of how I felt with it, you know, and it was something that I had always had or that had always been there but I just rediscovered it, you know, and put it back on and still fits. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was, it was always there. That's why people like in reality, I say, Oh, I've been doing this for 10 years or whatever years or whatever. In reality, I feel like I've always been this. I just didn't know what it was called and I didn't know how to do it. You know, I, mean? exactly. I, I didn't know how to apply language to it, but now yes. we know how to apply language to it. We know how to practice it. We, we, we learned how to walk again. And, Absolutely, and it's um, it's a really wonderful experience, and uh, there's there's no stopping us. We are maybe not in our lifetimes, but our kids or our grandkids are going to live in a world where uh, there is a a polytheist temple in every town. They will live in a world where it is a the cultural standard that it once was among our people. You know what I mean? It's, Absolutely, it, we're getting there. And to folks that think that we're always going to be a fringe thing and stuff like that. You know, they, I, I think they should really reconsider that position and take a look at um, the, 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 how large the gatherings and the festivals, you know, the, the Austro Folk Assembly just opened their third temple, their third hof, we call it, in, in two years. Three temples in two years. That's, that's serious numbers. You know that's what I mean? growth. Hey, that's Deep growth. Bro. We're coming home, man, and there's nothing, nothing they can do to stop us because it fits like a glove. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's like... Um, it's, it's like, like our favorite jacket. Yeah, it's it's like uh, it's like if you're a salesman and like you're selling something that's so great that is you don't even have to make a pitch. People just see it and they're like, "Oh, I've always wanted this." This it's exactly. it sells itself. You know what I mean? It really does. And I, I, it's interesting you mentioned the the some people would think this is fringe. The reality is this is not fringe. Uh, the best versions of our laws in this country were legitimately based off of ancient Greece and ancient Rome. We have a literal Parthenon, a literal recreation of the Parthenon in Nashville. 
um, which reminds me, I've got to make a pilgrimage there one of these days. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's been there in different forms and elements in this country for a very long time, you know. And whether it takes, you know, that, that, that show uh, American Gods for people to pay attention to it, or it takes someone like you with uh, the Germanic polytheism or someone like me with Hellenismos. Um, like you said, people are waking up and people are coming home, you know? Yeah. So I, I guess the next question would then steer into what would you say to someone who is like, you know, and I say this because I've met friends who are like that before, where it says they're dissatisfied with, you know, the, with uh, the, the faith that is around them right now, whether it be Christianity or Islam or so on and so forth but they've become agnostic because of it. You know, like they don't really believe in, in anything. What would you say to them? Well, um, I think this goes to, you have to appeal to people's logic. In, in the modern times, you have to appeal to people's logic and appeal to people's intelligence. Because as we just mentioned before, people did, don't know that this is, they don't know that the days of the week are named after Germanic gods. You know, they don't know that, um, you know, so the planets. Much, what's that? I was going to say, they don't know that the planets are named after uh, Roman gods themselves. Yeah, exactly. So much already, you know, pagan or polytheist, but that doesn't appeal to them. Um, you know, one of the problems that we've run into in the folkish community is we have had the argument that this is your birthright. This is your ancestry. This is your heritage. And while that is a beautiful thing and that is a connection for a lot of people, but a lot of times modern people say, okay, yeah, that's great. But is it true? And that's something that we really need to look at as far as uh, polytheists. It's time that we switch from saying, yeah, not switch from it. We can still say that this is our birthright because it is our birthright. But also, in the other hand, uh, have, have the ability to prove it. Because that is what that's what really is meaningful to people, and these people that are dissatisfied with the Abrahamic religions, um, I would implore them to to listen to the uh, I guess you could say the apologetics or listen to the the philosophy that is behind the ancient religions, because the philosophy that was behind the ancient religions was lifted by the the um, by Christianity, and it was they changed it around. You have Thomas Aquinas and all that stuff, but it's it's fundamentally true, and Absolutely. we can get into those those arguments uh, if you'd like. But um, I would implore people to s s not steer into atheism. Um, I would say my opinion, and this is a controversial uh, opinion in the, the the pagan sphere, but I do believe that atheism and secularism is a much bigger enemy in 2020 than Christianity is. I would agree with you completely, and you know I. I, I'm like you in the sense that I'm trying to pull away from politics, but I will still use it to illustrate a major point. When, you know, and I'm going to sound briefly Christian here, but when you take faith out of people's lives, they're going to latch onto anything that has a similar connotation. And in a lot of people's cases, and you and I have both seen this on both sides, it becomes politics for these people. You know, people are using politics as a replacement for their faith because they have nothing really left to believe in they have no higher purpose they have no higher sense of you know whether transcendent and believing in something higher than you or chthonic which is where you kind of believe in the earth and everything around you you know you don't really have that sort of mindset anymore so it's become replaced with materialism with politics with uh the, the, the sort of earthly cares if you will and i think that you know i agree with you on that front where it says you know Power pours a vacuum. So if you pull um, faith out in this case, um, what you're going to end up with is this giant sucking sound of, you know, just nihilism of, of the fact that nothing matters. And we can see it in people's music, expressions, attitudes, everything in the modern world. And this is something that I've said since the beginning of my podcast is that, you know, modernity has just corrupted whatever natural instincts we have into something that is... Um, that is deformed, that is twisted, that is perverted, you know? Exactly. And um, you said something at the beginning of your, uh, what you were just saying there, about how it, with the risk of sounding Christian, um, I've, I've struck that from my vocabulary. I no longer worry about whether or not I sound Christian. I never, because 
that argument comes from people that just apply. They, they, they're the people that think that anything that's coherent or religious or devotional is that has to be Abrahamic. And then they have this left hand path, new agey, yeah. you know, um, self worshiping, <laughs> rugged individualist garbage. I am God. <laughs> yeah, this no, I am I, God I, crap. And you being, <laughs> you being, uh, you know, into the Greek stuff, you know, dude, the Greek gods, they, they, punished man horrendously for their hubris That's yes like hubris is probably one of the biggest yeah hubris is one of the biggest sins you can have in, in greek mythology and people yeah. always confuse hubris with hubris with pride but in reality hubris is significantly different you know from icarus to bellerophon the gods have struck down men who thought that they could you know literally say i am god in one way or another yeah hubris is the highest of classical sins so um these these very hubris uh, left-hand path type people have put this into our vocabulary and put this into our mind and made it part of our, it's almost like muscle memory to, to have this like anti-Christian or anti-Abrahamic uh, identity, this anti-identity where we're forever stuck in this dichotomy, this dialectic of trying not to be Christian. Oh, am I supposed, and I've just struck that. Did I call people heretics? I say people are sodomites. I don't even care. Dude, I, I, in fact, I like that it triggers those people because yeah. I don't want to be around those people because those people are not of good faith. In the Germanic tradition, we would say they are a trunator, which means of bad faith. Yes. Um, and for folks that think that uh, religiosity was not a part of ancient society and that is uh, you know, solely an attribute of, of, of a Christian lifestyle are, are going to be sadly mistaken when they actually open up real historical source material and they see that religiosity was a part of everything that our ancestors did. Everything from uh, how their courts worked. Their courts, I mean, everything was, was you know, they had a, a, a theocracy. Everything was a theocracy. Everything from how they ate, how they how they performed executions, how they cooked their stew. We, I was just reading something about um, uh, in ancient Denmark. There was a tradition that every time they would cook their stew, they would have to turn it uh, counterclockwise nine times, and then they had like a, a ritual for literally everything. The gods and and divinity and their religiosity flowed through every single act because our ancestors knew the truth that. Um, this this reality is a baser form of a more heavenly ex uh, reality. Absolutely, absolutely. We, everything was... that we do is either in polarity or in replication of something that is uh, of higher. And uh, this is something that's talked about in the Greek tradition a lot. So everything you do is a spiritual or religious act. You don't have a choice. Absolutely, and I was just about to say the uh, in Rome the concept. Uh, hold on. In Rome, there was a concept called uh, Maeus Maorum, and in ancient Rome, there was a concept called Maeus Maorum, and it basically was the same thing as what you just said. Everything that one did as a citizen of Rome and as someone who lived under the gods of Rome, you were basically held to higher standards via the gods and via taking actions that would please the gods, you know? Your yep. heritage was a direct direct handing down by the gods. Yes, exactly. And that's what a lot of folks don't realize when, um, especially we're going to talk about, like, if we talk about folkism, that's what folkism means. Folkism means that the folk are, are children of the gods. It says this in Voluspa, that um, Odin, Hainir, and Lothor created man, Ask and Embla, and gave them uh, older und and lao lati in liter goda gifts of of our our uh, soul complex and our ontology and our nature of being this is what makes up man we are literally children of the gods mankind the word mankind means sons of manas sons of of manus you know we are sons of the indo-european gods literally descended from them that's yes. what folkism means and um, people that you know talk about folkism and stuff, and they they try to poo-poo uh, off the existence of divinity and stuff, are committing great hubris by doing that because that's exactly what folkism is all about. Absolutely, and folkism is, a, is an absolute necessity more than ever because 
you know, look at the popularity of 23andMe, Ancestry.com, et cetera, et cetera. My True Ancestry, which is a pretty interesting site. Um, you, we are all looking for our heritage, our place to call home, our, our core of who and what we are and who and what we came from. And uh, quite, you know, a few people are, are turning to that because they realize something's wrong in modernity. And this sense of, you know, de denying folkism, quite honestly, is a detriment, not just to the people denying it, you know, they're already proven their worth or, or not, uh, but it also denies, you know, every other folk's ability to have their own stories, their own creation myths, their own, you know, um, their own way to do things. In, you know, in Germanic polytheism, uh, Ymir created the world and Odin created Oscan Embla. In, you know, Hellenismos, you have the myth of Prometheus bringing down fire to humanity. Um, in, you know, you have a different uh, set of uh, creation myths in African mythology, in Indian mythology, and things like that. And it's each, I call it parallel development because each specific region developed its own myths surrounding their own creation. They are the children of their gods, you know? So focusing is a beautiful thing. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. So I, with regards to, you know, the folkish versus anti-folkish, it's, it's, it's interesting how it tends to, and again, I hate bringing up politics, but it tends to parallel the whole nationalism versus globalism thing. That's where, it yeah, it, it, that's what it's become at this point. Yeah, again, it, and it's also become this sort of, again, politics has become a replacement of faith. So you have the nationalists versus globalists all over again. You have the people that benefit off of the current status quo, that benefit off of what we have now, we have people that are chafing under the current status quo that are quite frankly disgusted with it and recognize that modern living is perverting whatever natural instincts we have had in the wrong direction. Yeah. Um, I, forgot, I was, I was going to make a point there early on. Um, but no, it's it, it, here's the thing. It's it's it does mirror politics. And when folks say like not everybody that says that they're folkish is actually folkish. You know, what it what it's what is that what was that guy's name? Saul Alinsky, that scumbag. He wrote in his book that um, you know, about how in order to win the, the culture war or whatever he was calling it, you must replace uh, uh, religion with politics and gods with politicians. And he was absolutely right. This yeah. is the march of modernity is to do that, is to replace our our tie to the divine, our antenna to the divine, to the heavenly, and purely imprison us in a materialist existence in our, you know, both physically, intellectually, and, all, you know, spiritually as well. And um, they're, just because somebody says that they're folkish does not mean they are not uh, part of the secular machine. But I do 100% agree that um, it essentially mirrors... Uh, the globalism versus nationalism kind of kind of uh, dichotomy that you have these people. Here's a problem with universalists or anti-folkish. this is not their religion. Their religion is is liberal humanism. Their religion is secularism, and they are radicals. They are fanatics for that cult. They are radicals of the the humanist cult. Everything must go through that lens. Everything must bend a knee to liberal humanism, regardless of what they, they read. I have shown – we have a, uh, a text in, in the Poetic Edit called Rigsthula, and Rigsthula literally describes a caste system. It describes it as – it can be uh, um, interpreted as being a racial caste system. You know, it, it uh, says that people that are more fair are higher caste and, you know, so on and so forth. And it describes the low caste, the thralls, as being more swarthy. Now, whether that is a metaphysical uh, uh, meaning or that they're literally talking about a, a, a racial caste system, you know, either way, they're talking about inborn uh, hierarchy. They're talking about a caste system. These universalists will read that text and absolutely deny it and pretend it does not say that and they will lie to get around it because it does not coincide with their their cult of humanism and now humanism is also uh, uh within folkism as well you have people that that purely think that the gods were just were 
where people, they believe that they themselves are gods. <laughs> they believe that um, nothing exists outside the DNA. They, they just, you know, they have these like kooky, um, heretical, uh, materialist views. Yep. And they say that they're folkish. It's like, no, you are still within the cult of humanism if you're if you are pushing uh, euhemerisms and uh, nature school propaganda and these these kinds of ideas because they are not authentic. They are not authentic. They are not truly spiritual, and they are not primordial. Not at all. And people like to say you talk about Jungian archetypes, but the reality is Jung only brought up those archetypes, you know, to kind of illustrate the parallel development within mythology through all different cultures he was basically saying all cultures have a creation story all cultures have a hero's journey type of story and so on and so forth but people have twisted it and taken it to mean as you've said oh the gods are just archetypes uh gods are people i am god and uh, the kooky left hand garbage and you and i have met too many people that were filled with the kind of left hand you know left hand path garbage and they try to be edgy with it you, you and i've seen it yeah absolutely and unfortunately, you know, when I early on, I believed some of that stuff because that yeah, was proposed as to be the authentic tradition. When I got my, my feet underneath me and I actually and I started to research history and uh, started to look at other Indo-European traditions, I saw that that is just fundamentally not true. It is not true at all. And our ancestors would have looked at that as uh, disrespectful. Absolutely. No, and I agree completely. I think that, you know, it's a lot of what, and again, this is, a, it's, the crazy thing is, is I'm learning a lot of the stuff that we are being taught and we're being told and we're being lectured to, even within sort of alternate, quote unquote, alternative paths. Again, it all leads back to the same, you know, liberal humanism, the same neoliberal cycle. And then it's kind of like becomes this, this streams feeding into a river type of deal. And, you know, I, I'm grateful for your interpretation on, on these things, because as you said, you've believed in that sort of left-hand path, edgy nonsense before. And once you got your feet under you and started actually reading and vice versa on my end, you and I have tended to kind of take an alternative to the alternative, if you will. But in reality, we're just pulling back the, the old ways that were once taught to every single person. But you and I see it as sort of new because we haven't touched that in so long. at it again. All right. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Sorry about that. There's a storm coming through my area and the, the internet just got knocked out. Gotcha, gotcha. Technical difficulties. I understand what's happening. Oh, man. So what were we talking about before? We were referring to how people tend to kind of still buy into this, you know, philosophy of life that all kind of leads back to the same neoliberal river. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's such a vast topic to get into uh, the, the, the permutations and the, the myriad of tentacles of the neoliberal uh, modernist post-industrial machine that perverts our souls and our minds. <laughs> like it's, it's, such a, it's such a vast topic, but it's, it's really incredible when you take a step back. I call it, I have this, this technique of, of, observing things that I call, I just call it zooming out. And um, 
the way that I look at things is I will look at two sides, two sides of a, of a dialectic, of a dichotomy, I guess you could say. And what I do is I, I, if I'm in one of these positions, I zoom out and I take a look at these two sides and I look at what confines them, what puts them within this, within this dichotomy, what defines the dialectic. And then a lot of times you'll see that these are both, that the dichotomy is an illusion, that they're both working for the same thing. Um, and then you zoom out again to see what the, the dichotomy is again. And you just keep zooming out until you no longer can zoom out any further until you see the whole big picture. I know I'm kind of speaking abstractly here, but um, I hope folks will understand what I'm getting at. And um, Of course. And I was going to say, I, I kind of do something similar. Not, I don't know if I call it zooming out, but I kind of call it taking a step back, kind of like a wide-angle view of things, where you're not just solely preoccupied with just like – your view or your side of things like that, you kind of, you know, pan out, if you will, or uh, and try to take in everything. And then a lot of times, yeah, absolutely, like you said, the dichotomy tends to just be uh, an illusion, you know, or it's not as much of a fissure as the, the adherence to the dichotomy they can see. And one thing that I notice is every time that you zoom out and you notice this uh, this false dichotomy, whenever you uh, say whenever you identify it and say it publicly, everybody gets mad at you. <laughs> of course, yeah. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> this is why I know we can really pin down my politics. I piss everybody off. <laughs> it's, um, it's how it's how it goes. But it's it's important as people if we really want to be inquisitive minds. If you want to have, if you are a spiritual person, your goal is truth, is learning truth and gaining truth. And understanding that um, uh, confirmation bias or biases as a whole are just an illusion of comfort. You know, you have to always try to poke holes in your own in your own ideas, and you have to seek what is true even when it's uncomfortable. And um, that is should be the quest for every person that is of spiritual mind or seeks to be of spiritual mind. And absolutely, um, I'd like to think that I'm. I'm one of those people. I try to be one of those people anyways. And I um, mean, yeah, like every, I'm still human. I still have my own biases. But um, one thing that you notice when you zoom out and you look at um, modernity as a whole, you realize that it's all within uh, the dialectic of humanism. It's all humanism. Human humanism, uh, liberalism is a form of humanism. The overwhelming majority of modern political um, ideologies are humanism. Uh, even the ones that people don't think are, are also humanist. And everything must bend the knee to humanism. Everything must bend the knee to the worship of man. Everything must bend the knee to the throne that people have put their own uh, comfort upon. This is what it's all about. Man's condition and his comfort. That's what humanism is all about and the worship of, of this. So when you could look at any political ideology that you want and uh, it all just circles around that, that, uh, that pivot point, that is what it orbits around. Um, so when you look at uh, things like political ideologies, you look at uh, conservatism versus liberalism, which are essentially the same thing. You start looking at communism, nationalism, fascism, both humanist ideologies. You start looking at pretty much every ideology within uh, politics for the last 300 years is is humanist. You know what yeah. I mean? The last, Absolutely. The last time we had a, a structure of, of society that was not humanist was probably like the, the ancient kings or something. You know what I mean? It's been a it's long been time. Wrong, probably, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I think that that's the thing that people have the hardest time grasping the most is the fact that the majority of our politics and the things that we see were all set up that way. It was all set up that way. And uh, it's something that you mentioned that um, as a spiritual person, you should strive to speak solely truth. And I agree with that completely. And what I was going to say earlier was that I'm glad that you and I, even if we have our own biases and we're still human, we still strive to find truth and we take comfort in what we find one way or the other. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, um, it's, we're talking about coming home is great awakening. There's a lot of guys and girls that are like us right now that are, there's a, it's really, 
it's really fascinating. It's really exciting to see how many how many folks are on top of this font. I guess you could say this font of, of uh, intellectual and spiritual energy that's that's rising. We're tapping into the folk consciousness, into the morphogenesis, whatever you want to call it, and uh, we're receiving these ideas. You know, parallel convergent thought. It's all going on right now, and people are coming to these conclusions. Um, yeah, I guess it's. I don't know if it's it's if it's you know it's our time to do this. Whether it's the time you know the the cycle and the shift of of civilization that you know these ideas come to life, or if it's some sort of chain reaction, or if it's maybe it's just um some sort of it's like no shit you know what I mean? like like you right. take a look at it and you're like oh well you know any goofball could have figured that out. But either way, it's important that we're coming to these conclusions because the root of all evil is humanism. You know, I, I listen to these like uh, progressives, and they're still on their their um, uh, they're still on their soapboxes yelling about theocrats, and you know, which I'm I'm unironically a theocrat. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie to you. But um, they get on their soapboxes. They're like, all oh, these conservative Christians, all oh, the Westboro Baptist Church, oh blah blah blah, man. You turn on a video from the Westboro Baptist Church. Yeah, they're still still hard on their position on homosexuality, but they like support Black Lives Matter. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. You know, <laughs> oh, it's true. They bend in the humanism. Exactly. You yeah, drive yeah. down the road and look at every single church and tell me one that you know. Find one that doesn't have some sort of humanist talking point on their sign. You know, we're all, you know, one race to human race, or, uh, you know, they have a gay flag, like the rainbow flag out front, or, you know, so on and so forth. It's all about humanism. Everything has bent a knee to humanism. Uh, Everything from the Catholic Church, the Vatican, to the Orthodox Church, to... uh, You know, to to the governments of the world, everything, the media... All of humanity has bent a knee to this perverse, uh, tumbling, train going off the tracks version of humanism where man can't stop worshiping himself and his own comfort. Absolutely, and that absolutely. is the evil in this world. And that, that was my point of these people that point at Abrahamism, Christianity, and blah, 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 blah. But functionally, they are liberal humanists. Yes. yes. I agree completely. And it's something that, you know, it's interesting. You, you mentioned that like man is basically, you know, consuming man and all that sort of thing, or worshiping man. It all becomes just something. Becomes this giant game of capitalist-backed, quote-unquote, social movements. But like you yeah. said, they're all bending their knees to humanism. Why? Somebody benefits from multiple people. Somebody's getting paid yeah. off of all this. Let's let's really be honest with ourselves. You know, and people don't like to hear it. Even the people that are that are nominally anti-capitalist, they don't like to hear that. The, the, the sort of quote-unquote social movements that they're seeing are all capitalist-backed, are all oligarch-backed, are all, you know, yeah. backed by these enormous corporations. And I just, I sit back and laugh at the hypocrisy. Yeah, again, exactly. I pulling, you know, politics into this thing, but it's, you know, again, people have swapped out faith with politics. It's become this sense of, you know, just, just twisting themselves into anthropomorphic shapes in order to justify um, what they believe in now, you know? They can't see yeah. the truth because they're so wrapped up in the beliefs that they've come to hold dear. Now, I will say there, there's a, it's important to understand politics, but it's also it's even more important to not become politics. Yeah, politics is 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 an action. Politics is um, is a a form of soft warfare of yeah. competition to to get what you want to distribute resources. To you and, and yours, that's what politics is all about. It's not an identity, and that is people that that go to they, they get family members that get into fights because one person's a conservative, one person's a liberal, one person's a Marxist, one person's a nationalist. One person's a, blah, 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 blah. This is this is modernity in itself by by uh, um, uh, contributing to this and participating in this. You are falling into the dichotomy. There's, you know, I mean, there's no way around it. Our ancestors would have said, "Hey, I'm a, I'm a nat sock or a nat cap or a this cap or a baseball cap or like whatever," and you, uh, you know, and you got into fights with other family members. They would look at you like you had two heads. Yeah. Like, you know, I identify as my tribe. I identify as my family. I identify with my gods. I don't identify with some like you identify with an economic idea. You uh, an economic policy? Is that for real? 
Like they, it would have, it would have made no sense to them. And right. by doing that, you are becoming humanist. You are becoming. So it's important to understand politics, but not become it. Absolutely. And you and I have seen, you know, and maybe you and I have even been there at some point where it, it's important to not get sucked in. And that's the tricky part, because everything we read about politics, everything we see about politics is designed to get a reaction, is designed to suck us in, is designed to have us, you know, mindlessly debate for hours over a minuite of policy that we can't even change. Yeah. Right. And you mentioned about um, you mentioned about literally the hypocrisy of people. They, they say, oh, well, I'm a folkish, I'm folkish ostrich or I'm Hellenismos or I'm Vedic or whatever. And then functionally, they're liberal humanists. It's it, they're cut from the same cloth as as the average population. You know, the um, my friend had a, a funny uh, word for these people, like an abbreviation. It was like um, affluent white or it's affluent, affluent white liberal something it pretty much it came down to the the acronym was was awfuls and pretty much it was like these these you know white girls that and i see it there's like girls that i used to work with that like are on my instagram or whatever and i see them and they're giving lectures about white privilege from their four hundred thousand dollar mansion and they're holding up pictures of them holding the book white fragility while they're on vacation in in the florida keys you know i mean it's like you know, and then you have people virtue signaling, talking about, uh, you know, yelling. I, I saw a guy on on um, one of my social medias. He's like yakking about uh, social justice and how people that oppose Black Lives Matter are so evil and this and that. Blah, blah, blah. And he's literally posting these things from rehab. It's like, like I'm, like I'm going to take, take one uh, drug for another. <laughs> yeah. It's like I'm going to take, uh, you know, your, your moral judgments from a, a, a drunkard pill junkie that's in rehab right now. Sorry, Bob. It's just what comes out yeah. of your mouth means nothing to me. Exactly. And what exactly. what comes out of your mouth when you're sitting in this this uh, uh, these like these these bourgeois liberal uh, white women that are standing for social justice, pretty much just for for social credit points, yeah. are yeah. just the biggest joke that I've ever seen. They think that they're they're warriors of social justice. You know, they're like you know these. These like, like you mentioned, cat, uh, uh, capitalist-backed, one hundred percent. You know, it's like Black Lives Matter, sponsored by Doritos. You know, what yeah. I mean? it's like yeah. I'm pro-black. You know, something like that. And it, it's yeah. like, and I, I laugh at the hypocrisy because you know, you talk about the bourgeoisie, you talk about these these people, you know, broadcasting out of their, like you said, four hundred million dollar mansions or whatever. Meanwhile, they spit on poor people. <laughs> Again, the hypocrisy is always there. You know. Exactly. And those of us um, that are pagan, we remember, we know, um, you know, being a Germanic polytheist specifically, uh, there's a reason that we call ourselves heathens. You know, um, heathen wasn't a religious term. Heathen was a class term. It was a, a pejorative class term. And yeah, what you were it, from the countryside, you were from the peasantry, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, you worked in the heath, you dirty heathen. You can't go to church every day like me. I am a, I am a affluent urbanite. We are up with the times, you filthy heathen pagan. You redneck, hillbilly, white trash. No difference between you poor white bastard. I've been called that a couple times. <laughs> heathen back in the Middle Ages is the same thing as inbred white trash today. And the same people are judging us. The same people are trying to force us into a, 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 their new way of life, which is inevitably going to be a disaster like it always is because these people are absolute retards. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that on your show, but I'm sorry if I did. Oh, no, please. Go ahead. Yeah, we are pulling it up. <laughs> these, it, it's, it's the same people doing the same things because here's the thing. These over-socialized urbanite people, whether it be their their new conversion to the the new hip religion of Christianity, that it's among all the other urbanites, or it's their new uh, capitalist-backed uh, social justice fad hashtag social justice hashtag hashtag sponsored by Starbucks. It doesn't matter. It's the same thing. It's a, it's 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 a it's a class thing. These people are anti-tradition. They Absolutely. always have been, and they always will be. Absolutely. It's interesting that the very, you know, people agitating about, you know, certain, you know, pet issues, the ardent reality is they don't have to live with the consequences one way or the other. 
they're they're yeah. rich enough to you know spirit away in the first sign of trouble. Meanwhile, it's the 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 working man, the working class that that just gets grinded on by these by these you know these, these hippies, not even hippies, these these bourgeoisie that you know yeah yuppies these these bourgeois liberals these bourgeoisie that have never worked a goddamn day in their life they don't know what it's like to what it's like to to, to, you know not have a roof over their heads they've had mommy and daddy pay their whole lives out and it's 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 pathetic it's pathetic that they're you know somehow held up as paragons of virtue meanwhile the working man trying to to, make 10 bucks an hour and feed his family is looked down on, you know, like you said, in the old days, they call you heathen. Nowadays, they just call you a poor white bastard, you know, or crazy. <laughs> They'll definitely call you crazy if you go against uh, what they speak as. Or a, or a Nazi or a, or a fascist or a, a racist or a bigot or, you know, and that's, a, that's it. the word bigot is very interesting because yeah, the yeah. word bigot is a French word that the, the Norman Christians used against the, 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 the French heathens. Uh, bijou means um, unwilling to change. That's what that means. <laughs> so yeah. it's the, it's literally the same word that they're using that they used back then. That they are now. It's yeah. it's it, the hypocrisies is off the charts, and it's um, as you mentioned, uh, coming from man, I'm Pennsylvania bred, tr- you know, tried and true. I am from Mother Pennsylvania. My family on my father's side has been here since the 1600s, and we are salt of the earth, you know, old school. We are Pennsylvania folk. We are the folk. Um, when I have, when I, when I hear one of these these liberal white women sipping their, uh, watching them sip their, you know, frappuccino or whatever those things are, on their Instagram post from their brand new 2020 Lexus shaming me telling me i am the problem when they have you know daddy paid for you know their their hundred thousand dollars in student debt for a useless degree that they're not going to do meanwhile my ancestors were crushed to death in the coal mines froze to death you know laying track for the railroads and still today crawl over broken glass for every scrap of gristle that we can just to survive you know i don't want to hear it you know i don't want to hear it you people you people have for for a thousand years, for a thousand years, have been doing this, and um, it's literally only for your own comfort and and your own self worship. That's all that it is. Absolutely, and it's interesting you mentioned the family wise and things like that. Quickly, despite being born and raised in New York City, I ended up finding out that uh, part of my ancestors actually uh, came uh, to America in the 1600s down south, specifically to escape religious uh, prosecution. Uh, because, you know, they were the Huguenot side of the family. And, uh, you know, France doesn't exactly like people with differing religious views. So they ran, you know, to here and they worked. They worked in different areas. You know, they were small business owners, things like that. Um, and they made a good name for themselves. But they never asked anything of any man except a chance. You know? And, uh, you know, when people talk about privilege with regards to guys like you and me, I laugh dead in their face, you know. And then I rattle off precisely how I've never had any privilege my whole life. <laughs> the yeah. privilege I've had was, you know, the ability to read a book. That's really all I've ever had. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. You're telling me on your uh, fifth tropical vacation in two years that I'm the problem and I am privileged. You know, meanwhile, I'm, I'm down here working my balls off. I don't yeah, want to Meanwhile, I haven't taken a vacation in five years because <laughs> I can't afford it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, and I'm not, I'm not saying that we don't do all right, and I'm not saying that that being in in, in poverty is is good. You yeah. know, nobody should want to be in poverty. It doesn't Absolutely give you not. any sort of. Uh, <laughs> anybody who grows up in poverty knows that they would trade it in a heartbeat. <laughs> oh God, yeah. I, yeah I've things, been in poverty. Like, it sucks. <laughs> yeah, that's what I say. I was like, okay, let's trade. Let's trade, lady. Let's see if you can if you can hack it doing what I do. They can't, and they wouldn't. You know I mean, they wouldn't even give their their. And now I don't really like this guy. I forget his name. He's an Indian guy. Um, he's like the conservative libertarian Indian, um, Dinesh D'Souza. He uh, okay. one time I don't really like the guy that much. I think he's a he's a douche. But he one time gave a speech at a college, and um, the room was filled with you know liberal white people. And he said, and I'm not, you know, going against, you know, white people. I'm, I'm folkish, obviously, but things that uh, should, uh, that are 
worthy of being criticized should be criticized. Agreed. And he's sitting in this room and he's talking to these people. And um, one of the students said something of, well, we, you know, there's this uh, disparaging, we're disparaging uh, minorities from joining college and blah, blah, blah. And he goes, okay, give up your seat. You go home and let a young black man sit in your seat and go to college in your place. He said, let's see a show. Let's see a show of hands. Who is willing to do that? Not one raised their hand. They're not about it. No, you know not I mean? at all. Not at all. So, and, uh, you know, if anything, they're the ones that tend to end up making very demeaning policies toward, you know, the other race. Despite their irony of what we're talking about, they care about other races. They care about other minorities, quote unquote. They really don't. Because when you think about it, affirmative action here. He was worth something. Legitimately higher than the the people that genuinely do work hard, and somehow everybody looks at them because oh, they only got there because of affirmative action, you know. And they could have worked their tail off and legitimately made something of their lives, but you know, because of these liberals and you know their their policies, nobody believes them. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. You know, going going back to faith, though, I think course, that um, it's important that we we recognize these um, these kind of these these cancers, these tumors in modernity, yeah, yeah. and Absolutely. we we retreat back to our our ancestral um, uh, traditions, our primordial traditions. I call them. I call it primordialism because there are there are uh, resounding truths that are just eternally true that never change and those are the purest of truths and those are the ones that we should seek and one of the purest of truths is our our ancestral faith and through that we must you know we i believe that the only way to get out of get out of this kind of wicked modern machine this post-industrial existence is to is to uh go back home absolutely Find our find our our ancestral faiths and live by them the best be the best example of that ancestral faith that we can, hundred percent. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And with that, I've got to have to work. So it was wonderful talking to you. Absolutely, Mr. Frank. More I appreciate you having me and on, sir. Definitely appreciate you, Mr. Matza. Yeah, you're cutting out. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Sorry, I was just saying. Uh, tell the uh, tell the viewers uh, your uh, website again, where they can hear your words. Sure, absolutely. You can go over to dlive.tv/slash/dave martell to check out my podcast, The Bog, which is live every single Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern. Sounds great. I look forward to it, and I look forward to having you on again. Website.